Hey, this is Pastor Matt McClure here from Takeover Church, and thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope it encourages you. We pray it blesses you. We pray it challenges you. And if you don't know, we have service every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And we would love for you and yours, your family and your friends to come on out, experience church, be a part of all that God is doing through Takeover Church. But hey, we hope this blesses you. Have a great rest of your day. What's up, guys? I'm Scott, like you said. Um, how's everybody doing? Service good so far? Worship was incredible it was awesome so that's uh you know that's I, I love i just love being in here and worshiping with everybody that's so that's great um hang on i gotta adjust the stand yeah matt's a little a little short um there we'll go we'll go that side there um so yeah today uh for before i get started i just want to um Remind you, as Matt said, that we are a loud church, all right? So I'm going to need your help this morning. I need you guys to kind of give me some feedback as I'm going. Talk to me a little bit, all right? Yeah. I'm, I've been depressed all last night and this morning because the Michigan Wolverines didn't play very well last night. So I've been, I've been hurting in my heart. So I need some, I need some people to, to kind of lift me up this morning and talk back to me, all right? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get started. Um, the, my, my message title tonight is, or geez, tonight, I did the same thing that you did. This morning, my message title this morning is Don't Waste the Wait, all right? Um, to get started, I'm going to open up with some scripture, uh, and then we'll get going. Uh, but I'm coming out of Numbers, okay, so really old school, Old Testament stuff, okay? So Numbers 14, 1 through 8. It says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, kind of better would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And then, and they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, I think. I don't know what that name is. Um, but he's, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Okay, now, I understand that that scripture, that little bit there, probably seems pretty weird on its own. So just stick with me, and I promise that it'll, it'll make sense eventually <laughs> once we give it some context, all right? Um, but I'm just going to pray real quick, and then we're going to get into the rest of it, all right? Uh, Lord, we just thank you that we are found in your house this morning. Uh, we thank you for this amazing family that Takeover Church is. Uh, we pray that uh, you would just deliver your word through me this morning and it would be received well by all of us and uh, that you would just bless us this morning uh, in this place. Uh, and that's in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, um, so who in here has had to wait for something before? Like you really wanted something really bad and you had to wait. You know, it, yeah, it's, it sucks. I hate waiting, okay? I can admit I, am, I can be super impatient sometimes. Like, 
I just ordered my coffee 30 seconds ago. Like, I want it right now. You know, it doesn't happen that way at Madcap usually. You got to wait a little while if you want some good coffee. So, but yeah, it's fancy. That's right. Um, but it's, it's hard to wait for things, right? It's not, it's never usually a fun thing being in that spot where you have to wait on something. And like I said, I'm not good at it. And I, I was thinking about that. And a perfect example to me would be when, when we were younger, my dad used to work for a, a youth ministry organization for a really long time. And as part of the perks of his job, we got to go down as a family to Florida every spring break, they would take a trip with a bunch of high school kids. So that was like, that was like the, the week of the year. Like my brothers and I would just get hyped because it's, I mean, we get to go to Florida when it's cold in Michigan. So why wouldn't you like that? So we get, we, we, that was just like the time. And, and the best, the best day of that week was the theme park day. So that's where everybody got to, there's a bunch of theme parks you could pick from. And then you would go for a day to that theme park and hang out. So that was like, the best day of the week, which was like the best week of the year. So for us as brothers, that was like next to Christmas and our birthdays, like that was like the day, like that was, that was it. So we're all excited for this, this day, you know, and we, whenever we'd go to these theme parks, like my parents would probably have us in like some matching t-shirts, like probably like tie-dye or something. So that if one of us got lost, like, you know, we'd, my mom, my mom could like look out and find us and we were that family. Like, have my dad, my dad would have a backpack with like like a pack mule with all our food and stuff. So we have to spend money at the park. Like that was us. That was that was our family. Um, but so we like this this specific time. I mean, it was probably every year, but the one that I remember the most is we're we're outside the the gates of Islands of Adventure. Does anybody know what Islands of Adventure is? One person? No. Okay. So it's one of Universal Studios awesome theme parks down in Orlando and they have like all of the superhero rides and it's it's just awesome so we're standing outside the gate getting ready to go and I've got my crisp tie-dye t-shirt on and my cargo shorts you know I'm getting amped up ready to go and I have my plan already like I'm as soon as we get in these gates I'm going straight for the spider-man 3d ride like I'm going I know like I've been on it before I know that's my ride that's the one that I've been waiting for this whole year so we, my dad get, gets the tickets, and we get inside, and I make the beeline for that ride, and I get there, and we get in line, and there's the, those little signs, you know, the little, little ones that the devil puts up that uh, tell you how much time you have, like, is the line is going to take for you to get up to the, to the ride. So I get in line, and that's, that little sign says 90 minutes. So an hour and a half wait for this ride. An hour and a half. Do you know how long an hour and a half is to a little kid? Like, they might as well have told me that I have to wait there the rest of my life to get on this ride. It's like, I'm, I just, all the excitement left my body. I was just annoyed and frustrated. I'm just, you know, not, now, I'm, now I'm upset. I'm, gonna, I'm so stupid. Like, why? I gotta sit in this line. How are all these people in front of me? Like, we just, this park just opened. Like, just losing my mind, right? And I've got, my parents are there, but we've got, I've got three younger brothers too. So, side note, my parents are here, by the way, but they are absolute saints for standing in those lines with four little boys that are just complaining about how hot it is and slapping each other for no reason and being stupid. Um, but anyways, we're, we're waiting in, in this line, just losing our minds. And, and while, while we're waiting, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of that thing where we are 
like almost like trying to mutiny our parents that are the ones that brought us there in the first place, but we're like throwing a fuss because we have to like sit there and wait for an hour and a half. We're upset about that, right? So if you look, looking back on it, it seems pretty foolish that we would do that, that we would be acting that way and upset, even though we're little kids, like it still seems like kind of silly, right? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what? Everybody else can talk back except you. Um, <laughs> But it seems kind of foolish, but if we look back at this, the book of Numbers and really break down what the Israelites are doing, they're, all, they're kind of doing the exact same thing to, to God, and like not their physical parents, but they're acting the same way towards God. Um, see, he, like th- they were, the Israelites were God's chosen people. He promised them this magnificent land that is, was, I mean, it, it says in the verse, it's flowing with milk and honey, right? Like, it's this awesome place, and he, he's promised to give it to them. He's brought them out of Egypt, all right? They were slaves in Egypt. He delivered them from slavery, brought them across the Red Sea, which he parted for them. He used Moses to lead them out, part the Red Sea, and deliver them from slavery, and bring them to this promised land, right? So they finally get there, and when they get there, it's, they, they decide that they have to send out some some spies, right? They're going to send out 12 guys to go check it out because if this land is so awesome, somebody is definitely already living there, right? If, if this land is like something that you desire, somebody else has already seen that and been like, oh, cool, this place is sweet. Let's settle here, right? Yeah. So there's already people living there, so they have to go check it out. When they go to, to check it out, they send these, these 12 guys out. They do their, their recon mission, right? They get all their intel. I don't know how much how they collected intel back then, probably carving the stones or something, but um, it's a lot more low-tech than it is today. But they get their, their intel, and they come back, and out of the 12 spies, 10 of them come back with a negative report, okay? 10 of them come back with a bad report. They come back, and they're like, yo, we, the, we, can't, we can't take this land. There's too many people that are already here. Uh, we don't have enough people. Our forces aren't going to match up with theirs. And plus, these people are are huge. Like they're just they're massive people. Like it literally says, it says in scripture that they they said all of the people we saw were of great size, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. So it's like you have like fifty thousand Dwayne the Rock Johnsons out there, like walking around like that. All these people are just massive. Okay, so. The, the 10 guys, they give the report to everybody else, and everybody just starts freaking out. They start losing their minds. Like, what, why, why are we even here? Why did God bring us out here just so that we could go up and, and face these people and just be killed right away? Like, why, why would we do that? We'd be better off going back to Egypt. Let's, uh, let's pick somebody to be our leader and tell them that we're going to go back to Egypt and we're just going to go back into slavery. You know? Let's go back there. It'll be a lot better than being right here right now. And when I, when I read that, it's, it, it kind of made me think, like, I, I, I wasn't there when the Red Sea parted, obviously. That was a long time ago. But it got me thinking, like, if I had seen a body of water open up in front of my eyes and dry ground for me to walk on, wouldn't I be more inclined to think, like, hey, maybe God can win a battle for us against some against some big people like you know that that might be the case right but 
even as I, as I say that, I kind of see how, how silly they look as you read it. But as I say that, I can't help but kind of feel like a little bit of hypocrisy in my own life, okay? Because how many times have I seen God come through with a miracle in my life? And then I, I, I'll turn right back around and go walk right back into what was holding me captive before. I'll walk right back into that slavery. We do that all the time. It happens all the time. And Matt touched on that in, in a sermon this summer, but I think it bears repeating because Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we could live a life of freedom. You know, so, so why are we turning back to that? Why are we going right back to the stuff that he set us free from, right? That doesn't make any sense. We need to keep moving forward. You know, like it, if you're somebody who has been struggling with like sexual sin, stuff like that, like God has set you free from that. You know, so don't, you don't need to turn back around to that guy or that girl or that website. You don't got to keep going back there because he set you free from that. You know, when, when you're feeling some type of way and you feel like making that booty call, don't do that. Make, make the believer call. Hello. See what I did there? Hello. Yeah? Okay. It's cor- I know, I get it. It's corny. Stupid joke. I, yeah, I understand. But for real, though, make the believer call. Call somebody who is going the same direction that you want to be going. Call a a fellow believer who is going to speak life to you, who is going to help you to resist that temptation so you can flee from the devil. The devil will flee from you, actually. Sorry. The devil will flee from you when you resist temptation. That's what the Bible says. So uh, along those same lines, if if you're somebody who struggles with with your self-value, if you feel like you're always trying to get that validation from other people, you don't have to keep going back to that. God has set you free from, that, from feeling that way as well. Because uh, let me tell you something, you wouldn't lay your life down for something that isn't valuable, right? You're not going to lay your life down for something that has no value. Every parent in here would probably feel the same way and tell you that if it came down between their child's life and theirs, that th- they would give their life for their child. Because they value their child's life more than their own usually. Right? So it's, it's he, he, he has given you value through laying his life down for you. So whenever you feel that way, when you feel like you don't have that, that, that value, you need validation from outside sources, from other people, return to the Bible, to the scriptures. Read what he has to say about you as his child. Read how valuable you are to him in his eyes, okay, and, and if you're struggling with, with alcohol or substances, stuff like that, he set you free from that as well, that's something too where we don't need to turn back around and go right back into those, those shackles when we get that, that craving and that desire and that urge, you know, because the high won't last, the, that, that feeling is, is fleeting, okay, that buzz wears off, but Jesus' blood, that's, what, that's eternal, that's what lasts forever, that's always going to be there. Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but it's, it, it's so true, okay? So the, the point there is <clears throat> don't look at the challenges that are in front of you and immediately turn around and want to go back to the slavery that was behind you, right? Um, we, we don't want our first reaction to be a reaction of, of fear. We don't want to all just see something that's challenging and run away right away, um, because Jesus, when he set you free, he, he knew the challenges that you would face in front of you. 
before they were even on your radar. He knew that they would be there. He still chose to set you free, right? And he knew that he would be there with you the whole way through those challenges. So don't, don't be like those 10 spies that they see the obstacle in front of them and their first reaction is just all fear-based. They forget everything that God did for them and they turn around and they're like, let's, go, let's just go back to Egypt. That's, that's way easier than dealing with what's in front of us. Okay, don't be like those 10, all right? Um, we need to be like, like the other two. Remember I said there were 12 spies, okay? So the other two that came back were Joshua and Caleb, the sons of Nun and the other dude, his name I can't pronounce. But they, yeah, it's something like that. They, they, count, they come back with a good report, all right? Only the two come back with a good report. They have enough faith to see that this land, this land is awesome. This land flowing with milk and honey. You know, it's, it's, it's rich. We can, the Lord's promised us this land. All we have to do is listen to him, and he's just, he's just going to give it to us. We, we need to go take this. We need to go do it. These people, they won't stand up against us. It's fine. We need to go do it. But if anybody knows anything about the Israelites, it's not usually what happens. They don't like to, even though they're God's chosen people, sometimes they like to do their own thing. So, that's not what happens. The Israelites, the whole congregation, they don't listen to the two. They go with the majority, the ten that came back with the bad report. Okay. They go with the majority, and they don't listen. They 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 are kind of planning to leave. All right. So God is really upset with that. He sees that, and he's and he's like, okay, then none of you are going to see the promised land. I'm going to give it to your kids, but you guys aren't going to see it because you're not, you're not being obedient and you're not listening. So he sends the Israelites wandering into the desert, and they end up wandering out there for 40 years. Okay, 40 years until that whole generation is gone, and the next generation is there to take the, the promised land because they're obedient through that. And... I, I read this quote from this author. His name is Frank Sonnenberg, and I don't know him very well. I don't really know any of the books that he's written, but I saw the quote, and I thought it was kind of funny but also really true. Um, but he said, smart people do stupid things. Stupid people don't learn from them. Okay, Smart people do stupid things, but stupid people don't learn from them. And I think that's one of the greatest things about the Bible is that it offers us a chance to see some really stupid things that have been done by people who, if we're being honest, are not very different from us, but it offers us that chance to see some really dumb things that have been done and learn from those. That's what the Bible is for, is for us to learn from those stupid things that have been done and kind of go the other direction. Because they were God's chosen people, but they still chose not to obey. So if, if you're going to take anything away from from this today, uh, I want it to be that God is going to come through on his promise and his plan is always going to work out. But it's going to be our obedience or disobedience that is going to dictate whether we see the blessings in that or not. Okay? <clears throat> because it would have been really easy for that next generation of Israelites to kind of follow the same path as their parents and disobey God and not want anything to do with that. But because of their obedience, then they were the ones that eventually got to see the promised land. They, they entered into that land because of that. <clears throat> um, so I, I, I want to ask the, the question today, 
how many blessings are we missing out on simply because we aren't willing to wait for God's promise on our life? Like, I know that's, that's, that's kind of a big question, but it, we live in a, in a culture that is, is kind of crazy. Like we have this instant culture where anything that, that we want, we, we get right now. Like I said with my coffee, like I want it. I ordered it 30 seconds ago. Like it should be here. Like I want, we have McDonald's that their drive-through time is like two minutes or something like that. Like you're, everything is, is fast paced. It's all right now. And because of that, I believe that we are creating, and, and it's probably not intentionally, but I believe that we are creating a generation of people and Christians who they, they miss out on what God, the best that God has for their life. They settle for less than God's best because they aren't willing to just wait it out. There's something more convenient there that's quick, and, and they're more interested in that than waiting for what God has for them. That's, that's the better thing. And, you know, because like I said, the, the society is designed that you can have something whenever you want it. You know, if you want food delivered to your house, like if you don't want to leave your house, you can have somebody go to the grocery store and, and, and shop for you, and they'll bring it to you. If you want pizza or cookies or whatever, like somebody will bring it to you. If you're, it's late at night and you're feeling lonely, there's an app for that. You know, that's, that's a real thing. And, and I don't have a problem with any of the technology or it's just technology. It's stuff that's designed, a lot of it's useful, stuff that's designed to make our lives easier. But when, when you, maybe you're in that single season, single season, and you're waiting for that right person, maybe being on Tinder isn't the thing that is, is living in obedience, right? Maybe that's, that's not the thing that is going to be helping you wait for that promise that God has for you. And honestly, that can apply to all areas of life, too. It's not just relationships. I'm not trying to get up here and just, like, talk about relationships. But it can be anything. It can be waiting for that, that perfect, like, like, having the idea of, like, the right job, and it has to happen now. Or the, the right house or the right apartment, that living situation has to happen. Like, I have to have this and this and this by the time I'm 25 or I'm a failure. Like, that kind of thing. Um, or maybe it's, it's, it's money. Like, like, Kanye, wait till I get my money right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's all that kind of stuff um, that is, is, is kind of the, I don't know how to say it. It's, that's the, the downfall to, to that waiting season, okay? Um, because I've fallen into that before, too. Like, the, the whole money thing, like, wait till I get my money right. Like, I've had the idea, like, man, once I, once I get my money right, once I have a better job and all this stuff, then I can really be a blessing to somebody. You know, I can, I can help somebody out. But the reality is, like, I can be a blessing now if I choose to. It might be a small blessing because I don't have a lot of money right now, but it's still a blessing, right? <clears throat> so what, I, what I'm trying to, to say with the waiting stuff is when you're in those periods of waiting, in that waiting season, we need to choose to wait well, right? So in the waiting season, we need to be choosing to get better during that time. We need to choose to improve. And improvement in, in our waiting season, in our spirituality, and in, in anything is going to come down to two things, okay? It's going to, excuse me, it's going to come down to discipline and consistency, okay? Discipline and consistency. Those are the two things in any area of life where if you are really looking to improve, those are the two things that are going to get you over the hump, 
they're going to put you over that, that edge there. And I don't know how, how many of you know, uh, apart from being a pastor here, I'm also a trainer, a personal trainer at a gym here in Grand Rapids. And so I get really frustrated when I see stuff like any articles or like stuff online or videos and stuff where it's like, oh, like six second abs or like this, lose 20 pounds with this one weird trick. Like those, that's spam. Those aren't real. That doesn't happen. Okay. Just like it, it, it correlates really well, actually, the, the physical body and the spiritual. There, there's not that quick instant fix. There's no magic pill, right? Everybody wants that, that result. They want the body but they don't want to, to go through the growing pains. They don't want that. But the, there's not, like, you can't snap your fingers and become the most spiritual person in the room. You're not going to snap your fingers and all of a sudden, you know your entire Bible. You, you, you know all the scripture. You, you're holier than everybody else. That doesn't, that's, that's not how it works. That doesn't happen that way. It's just like you're not going to go into the gym one time do a set of bench presses and you're going to look like the rock. Like that doesn't happen, okay? <clears throat> so you need to develop those disciplines and stick to them consistently. And the easiest way to start that process is just get in your Bible and pray every single day. It's, it's that simple. And for, for some people, you know what, that, that might be a challenge. And that's okay. St baby steps. You start very, very small small incremental steps, you're still building that discipline, you're doing it consistently, and it's baby steps. Because it's, it's, it's okay if you're challenged, right? We live in this culture where people, people don't like to be challenged. Like, I have my opinion, you have yours, don't challenge my opinion because mine's right and yours is wrong, just don't talk about it. But just like a, like a muscle, a muscle isn't going to grow if it doesn't have any strain on it. Your, your spiritual journey, your faith, isn't going to grow unless it gets challenged every once in a while, right? <clears throat> so if you're, if you're, in, if you're already past that, that kind of phase of like you're doing really well with being in, in the Word every day and, and you're praying a lot and stuff, like that doesn't mean that you get a pass because there's always ways that we can be improving in that season. So maybe you're past that. So maybe let's, let's get into something a little bit deeper. What are you consuming? What are you taking in? Because I, I love listening to podcasts, and if I'm being honest, I love like like true crime podcasts. I think they're anybody else, anybody, yeah. Me and the lead pastor living in sin here. It's no big deal. Um, but no, they're they're actually really interesting. I like listening to like crim how criminals set stuff up, and then like the law enforcement has to collect evidence and chase them down, catch them, all that stuff. Alternate universe. I'm probably a cop somewhere. Um, just kidding. But. Uh, for real though, like I think that stuff is super interesting, and listening to that stuff in and of itself isn't isn't a bad thing, right? You can listen to whatever you want to listen to. Any if you like sports, radio stuff, that's fine. But is that stuff helping me to grow in my faith? Wouldn't would there be something a little bit different? Like if I was maybe listening to a sermon podcast, or if I was listening to a podcast about leadership or stewardship. Would that be helping me to grow my faith a little bit more, to get deeper with Jesus, you know? Because I'm not, I'm not going to sit up here and, and tell you that you can't watch what you want to watch or listen to what you want to listen to. I'm, we're not a church that does that. I'm not going to do that, okay? 
But I simply want you to do some self-examining and see what you're consuming and how it's affecting you, if it's helping you to grow or not. Um, because if you're feeling stuck in a waiting season, if you're feeling like you don't know what direction God is calling you to, that might be the first step is examining what you're consuming. Um, and if, if, that, if you're feeling that way, I want you to wait well, all right? In this waiting season, you need to wait well. You need to choose to see that wait as a blessing, all right? Because if, if we're being honest, um, you know, sometimes the, the reason that God doesn't give you the thing that you want right away is because you might not be able to handle it right now. Uh, it, there, if you were to get that thing that you wanted so badly this instant, it, it honestly, it might crush you. It might break you. And that's why there's, there's studies out about, like, people that win the, the lottery and, um, and stuff like that, and it, the, the financial gain is amazing. They're millionaires, but it, it, most of the time they're bankrupt and, and broke within a few years because it just breaks them because they, ha they haven't gained that wealth. They haven't built that up and learned how to handle that before they receive it, all right? In this waiting season, we're looking for that growth, okay? Um, worship team, you guys can kind of make your way back up here as well. Um, but I can, I can kind of speak firsthand to that because my, my gorgeous wife, Shani, right here, what's up, girl? Um, her, her and I, we, we did long, a long-distance relationship for two years from here to Australia. She's from Australia. And, and honestly, like, that was, that was the longest two years of my life. Like, it was there, every single day, that's, I thought about it every day, how badly I wanted her to be here. I wanted her here so bad. So we were waiting on visa stuff. You know, the government just takes forever to get stuff done. It was taking forever, and I wanted it right away. But if I'm being honest with myself, if that, that approval would have come in the first year or year and a half, I, I wouldn't have been ready. Because I, 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 during that time, I was, I was still growing and learning. And I, honestly, like, I probably would have failed as a husband pretty hard. And I know we've only been married a few months, but... And I still, I still fail. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm human. But during that time, I became a much better uh, spouse. I became a better leader. I, I developed some characteristics that are now helping me in marriage for, for us to be successful. Because I, I put that time to good use. I didn't just waste that time. So that's, that's the whole point, guys. Like, don't waste your wait. Don't waste that season of waiting. Don't let days go by and just stay the same because the other day I was in the gym and this guy was walking out I, just, I was just greeting him I was like hey how's it going and he's like oh it's another day like I never want that to be my response like don't let today just be another day don't let tomorrow just be another day and stay in the same spot stuck every single time we, every day is a chance to grow closer to Jesus and develop that relationship because he he died and rose again so that you and I could have that relationship with him. Not just be casual acquaintances that check in every once in a while. He wants that relationship, that deep, meaningful, personal relationship. That's what he wants. So as, as we're going to leave here today, you know, my, my challenge is this. In the, the waiting seasons of life, to lean back into Jesus and to grow that relationship with him. Okay, Live in that obedience um, with what he has called you to do, and, and just watch how your faith grows in that. So as, as we go back into worship, 
just I want you to, to kind of meditate on that. Think about that. How how what what are some areas in your life that you can you can really submit back to the Lord during you might be in that season of waiting where it's it's tough. It's you feel like something's never gonna come through. But maybe the the thing that's gonna get you to that point is submitting that time that you have to really dig in and, and get closer to Jesus and grow in that. So as we as we worship here, just be be thinking about that and, and just submit some of those areas back to the Lord. Thank you.